Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, I remember a, a few years ago on my uh, first mission trip into Thailand, I was serving with Dr. Eric Hoffler. We were going into, um, into villages and different communities, doing medical clinics. He was seeing patients. I don't do well with that part. I was getting medicines as he requested all of that kind of stuff. I was praying with people. We had locals that we were working with that were leading people to Christ, and it was just a fun um, way to serve people. And I vividly remember a man being brought into this bamboo hut that we're in, and he, he kind of crawled over. Someone kind of helped get him over there. His, his legs were deformed. His arms were deformed. His body had been scarred by all kinds of burns, and he was blind. Had never really seen anybody up close that had gone through that much tragedy in their life. You know, the story of this guy, if I remember it right, um, his job was he would go into the villages in Myanmar, prior to him getting hurt, and he would find the landmines and he would, he would deactivate them so that people could move back to their homes. Well, obviously something went terribly wrong for him one day. And so we get back, we, we, we finish up the clinic, we, we help him out as best we can. Um, I, I get back to the, the place where we're staying. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm just kind of thinking about the day, and this, the image of this man comes to my mind, and I think, God, why do you allow stuff like that to happen? I don't, I don't get this. I mean, we're seeing kids who have no parents because their parents were killed in Myanmar by the soldiers that were coming in, and I'm, I, I see this man and, and, his, and his body that's been wrecked as he was trying to do good and help his village out. Why did you allow this to happen? Now listen, I'm asking that question as a follower of Christ. I mean, I wasn't a, a brand new Christian. I became a follower of Christ the summer before high school and grew in my faith in Christ, loved Jesus, went to seminary, and even took a class on how do you reconcile the fact that we believe that there's a good God that's out there, yet there's tragedy and horrible stuff that happens. And I'm laying in my bed that night thinking, God, why? Are you letting this happen? I had answers, but why are you doing that? I still have those questions today, don't you? I think about, why do you allow children to get sick and some of them not get better? God, why do you allow someone to walk into a business or to a school or to a church or somewhere and open fire and take people out? I don't, I don't get that. God, why do you allow wives in Kenya to get the HIV AIDS virus from their husbands and then their husbands find out that their wives have it, and the man leaves because he now blames his wife for it. The wife dies and leaves her kids, and now these kids are orphans. God, I don't understand. Why do you allow that kind of stuff to happen? God, why did you allow my father to have a stroke a number of years ago that totally changed who he was from a personality standpoint? God, why are you currently right now allowing 300 girls to be kidnapped and used as pawns in the political world? Why are you letting that happen? My guess is, many of you struggle with some of those same questions. They may be a little different, but you struggle with some of those same questions, don't you? They did in the first service. My guess is they, they, you, you, you struggle as well. You know, do you ever feel guilty for having those questions? I mean, let me be honest with you. I feel guilty that I question God sometimes in that. I think, is my faith not good enough? Do I not love Him good enough? Let me share with you, you're not alone. I mean, number one, look around this room. We all struggle with these questions. But, but you're not alone even from a biblical perspective. King Solomon, known in the Bible for being the wisest person 
who have ever lived. He struggled with this question. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, write this down, look it up later, read the whole chapter, read the whole book of Ecclesiastes. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1, he writes this, he says, Again I looked and saw all the oppression. You could also translate all the evil, all the suffering, all the horribleness that is going on that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. And then later on in that chapter, he talks about how meaningless that all was. In other words, he's writing and he's questioning God, why is this kind of stuff happening? I don't get it. Thankfully, there, there is an answer. We're tackling that myth today. We're, we're looking at, surely, there can't be a God with all the evil and suffering in the world. Now, we're in the middle of a series called Mythbusters. If this is your first time here or you hadn't been here in a little while, let me say, we're, we're tackling some of the good and hard questions that we ask and that our friends are asking. And so I want to do a very quick recap for us. In week one, Pastor Keith answered the question, is it arrogant for us to say as followers of Christ that Jesus is the only way? And we looked at the reasons why we believe that, and he helped us to, to be able to, to communicate that in a, in, in a way that's not arrogant. In week two of our series, Pastor Keith answered the question, does, Christian, does Christianity force morality on others? You might remember we said, well, yes and no. No from an individual standpoint. In other words, we each have free will. We can do as we choose. We don't force people to do that. We'll talk a little more about that as the morning goes on. But yes, in the way that as we as followers of Christ, we should be involved in our government and politics. We should be involved in helping to create laws that follow what the Bible says because we believe that the world would be a better place if we lived as God called us to live, right? We also talked about how all laws, no matter what country you're from, what religion you're from, but what, what, they all, they're all based on somebody's idea of what's morally right and wrong. And today, we're tackling the really big question, why all of the evil and suffering in the world? Now before we go any further, I want to give you something for free. It's this, and, and it's, it's that I can't, nor can anyone else answer the specific reason for a particular evil that happens. Let me give you the example. You, you remember 9-11 that happened years ago. There were people asking the question, God, why did you allow this to happen? You heard probably a lot of people who say they love Jesus come out with crazy answers on that. And let me just tell you, church, when people are going through tragedy and suffering, you know what they don't need from us? They don't need us to stand out there with signs telling them how bad they are and that God brought this on to them as judgment. What they need from us is to go and help. What they need from us is to go and be Jesus with skin on and show love to people. Does that make sense? So I cannot answer the specifics. Why did this one particular evil happen? So as we go through the morning, what I'm going to try to do is answer the question, why does evil and suffering happen from a very general standpoint? Why does God allow any evil to happen? And so that's kind of where we're going uh, today as we go through that. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, here's the reason why I say that we can't know the details of the specifics of a why, a particular form. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says that on this side of heaven, we only see things dimly. In other words, from our finite perspective, we don't get to see the whole picture of how everything works out. So we're not going to be able to answer the, this, the particulars of why a particular thing. Again, we're looking at it from a more general perspective. So before we do, let me pray for us. 
Father God, we're wrestling with a big question today. And some of us in this room right now are in the middle of pain and suffering caused by evil. Father, for those that are in this room right now that are in the middle of it, Lord, I pray that that first and foremost that they would know You're right there with them. That they would feel Your presence. And that, that this church would be a place that would help them through their time of struggling. Father, we all have questions that come to our mind now and again. So Lord, I pray that this morning as we study Your Word, God, that You would use this as a morning where we can... We can stake our claim in You. That we can trust in You. Where we will say it is well with our souls. God, I ask as we look through Scripture today that we will be comforted by You and that You will give us Your peace. God, I thank You for Your love, Your mercy, and Your grace. It's in Jesus' Son's name we pray. Amen. I remember as a child, my mom was driving my sister and I from Charlotte, North Carolina, basically down to Atlanta to visit my grandparents. Now, my dad usually made the trip with us, and he normally drove. But for some reason, he wasn't with us, probably on a business trip, I'm not sure. But my mom was driving. And for those of you that grew up here in the southeast, you know that those, those thunderstorms that can pop up that make it impossible to see the road in front of you. Well, that happens. We're somewhere in the middle of South Carolina, and this storm comes up, and, and it's, it's nighttime. My mom can't see the road, so we start going probably five miles an hour. Now this tells you how immature I was. I wasn't worried about driving off the side of the road. I was worried that this four and a half to five hour trip was now going to be eight. And I was suffering in the back seat going, oh, please, come on. Then this big semi truck comes past us. And it's got the different kind of back on the other thing. It's a little more of the mirror kind of thing, real shiny metal, not the dull metal kind of a thing with lights all around it. And my mom pulls in behind this semi truck and starts to follow him. And goes faster than what we were going. I don't know how fast we were going, but goes faster. She put a lot of faith in that truck because it helped her to see the road. Now, I don't know that she should have trusted the tractor trailer that much, but she did. And it got us there faster and things were better. Kept us off the side of the road. Well, in the same way today, I want to give you some lights to follow, okay? A a truck to follow that will help you to stay on the road of following Christ. And these lights come from biblical truth. It's not just human reason that we're going to be going through. So the first point of light is this, that we can follow, that will keep us on the path, is God is not the creator of evil and suffering. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. I get this question often from people who are in the middle of evil and suffering. They they ask this question, why didn't God just create a world where, where evil and suffering didn't exist? And the answer to that question is this, He did. He created a world where evil and suffering didn't exist. In Genesis, we read about the creation account. God gets finished with creating the world. And He looks around and He says all of His creation is good. But wait, you say, there's evil, so how did it get here? How can this be? Well, I want you to write down part of St. Augustine's word as he tackled this question. He says, evil is not a thing. Evil is a corruption of a good thing. God made only good things. And here's the part to write down. Evil is a corruption of the good things that God made. Nobody's writing. Write it down. Evil is a corruption of the good things that God made. It's kind of like, you you can kind of look at it like this. The, The rot on a tree that you might find. 
You wouldn't have the rot unless you had the tree, right? The tree was there first. And it gets corrupted by the tree rot. And it causes the tree to die or to fall over. Rot doesn't exist without the tree. And so it's a a corruption of that. And so you say, great, God didn't create it. It's a corruption. But still, how did it get here? How did it get there? Well, God gave the angels a choice. He gave Lucifer a choice. And some of them chose to rebel against God. God gave Adam and Eve a choice. You see, God put them in a in a perfect world. And He gave them a set, one instruction that said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else you can eat. Everything else is good. You know, when, when you work and, and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be great and meaningful. It's not going to be painful. It's going to be awesome. And at one point in time, Adam and Eve said, you know what, God, we're going to do our own thing and we're going to go eat off this tree that you told us not to. And when they did, sin and evil, corruption entered the world. Deuteronomy chapter 11, God says, I'm giving you a choice, a blessing and a curse. If you obey my commands, a blessing. If you disobey, it's a curse. God gives you and I a choice whether to serve Him or to to choose Him or not. He's given that choice to every person. And all of us, according to Scripture, all of us have chosen to go our own way and not God's way. We have abused our free will by rejecting God. And that rejection of God allowed evil into the world. Two kinds of evil. The first is moral evil. Moral evil is the immorality and pain and suffering that comes because we choose to be selfish and arrogant, uncaring, hateful, and abusive. This is the type of evil and suffering that is caused directly by someone's choices. Look at your hand for a moment. Pull it out, look at it. That hand yesterday could have been used out in the orchard to help prune the apple trees and the peach trees that are there. Why? So that those trees can produce the fruit that will be used to help feed people in our area that need fresh fruit. Or, that hand could, be pick, could, could pick up an, a, a weapon of some kind and you could use it to hurt somebody else. You have a choice of how you're going to use your hands. Just like you have a choice of how you're going to use your mouth. The things that you say cause evil and harm on other people. The things that you do, your choices can actually impact somebody else and bring them evil, but it can also cause evil and pain and suffering in your own life. This type of evil, this moral evil, is the type of evil we see from crazy dictators around the world throughout history that are gobbling up power and hurting people. Also the type of evil that we cause on ourselves by our lifestyles. Maybe being too consumed with work and not being the parents that we should be to our kids is causing evil and suffering in their lives. But there's a second kind of evil that entered the world when sin did, and it's called natural evil. These are things like earthquakes and tornadoes, hurricanes that cause suffering in our lives. And these are a result of sin being in the world. One author wrote, when we told God to shove off by going our own way and not His, He partially honored our requests. Nature began to revolt. The earth was cursed. Genetic breakdown and disease began. Pain and death became a part of the human experience. In Genesis chapter 3, turn there if you've got a Bible. Genesis chapter 3, God speaks to Adam. Basically says to them, because of the sin that y'all did and the sin that entered the world, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat it, or you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. 
God is telling us here that the world has been corrupted by sin, the natural evil. And uh, in Romans chapter 8, it says, Nature, our world, has been subject to frustration because of sin, that it is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, longing for redemption to come and for things to be set right. Now you might ask yourself, well, didn't God foresee this happening? Yes, He did. He knew it would happen. He knew it would happen. But look at it this way. How many of you in this room are parents? Raise your hand. Are you a parent? All right, you're a parent. If you thought about having kids prior to having them, one of the things that you may have thought of was, you know what, it's possible that my child might grow up to make choices that will totally break my heart and break God's heart. Yet, we chose to have kids anyway, didn't we? Why? Why? Because we knew that there's the potential of a tremendous joy and deep companionship and love with our kids and a tremendous potential for them to grow up to be people that would serve God and honor God. God knew that we would rebel. He knew that we wouldn't choose Him. But He also knew that His Son was going to come and make it possible for us to be reconciled to Him. And it was worth it to Him, even at the cost of His own Son. Now, a final analogy that might help you to understand that God didn't create evil You know of a man named Henry Ford. Henry Ford made it so that cars could go down the assembly line and be produced much cheaper than what they had been. He made it possible for us to be able to own and drive cars. Now, okay, yeah, somebody else may have come up with it. He didn't over time, but he did. And so every time that you and I get behind the wheel of a car, there's tremendous potential for evil and suffering to happen, right? I mean, we could get on our phones and text, break the law, and run into somebody and cause pain and suffering in their lives in our own lives. Yet when those kinds of things happen, do we go back and blame Henry Ford for making the car affordable for us? No. We blame the person who's behind the wheel of the car who wasn't doing things right. In the same way, God's not the creator of it. He's not the author of evil. For first light, God's not the creator of sin. He's not the creator of evil and suffering. The second point of light is this. Even though suffering isn't good, God can use it to accomplish good. Even though suffering and evil isn't good, He can use it to accomplish good in at least three ways. The first way is this. He uses pain to draw people towards Christ. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but He shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We've seen this in our church family. In times of suffering, we have seen people in this church family come to know Christ because of the suffering that was going on. God used it for good in their lives. Why? Because it's God that truly offers comfort. God says, I know that you're suffering, but come to me and I will give you peace. I will give you rest that lasts. But secondly, God can use trials to sharpen the character of His children and help them to be more like Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. It's it's kind of like physical exercise. You and I have to push our bodies as we exercise to see results, right? Lindsay and I, we started a workout program at home about four weeks ago or so. I won't say which one it is because I don't want to give free advertisement to that group. But it's a good workout. And it's hard during it. I mean, it lasts a little while. And you're sweating, you're hurting, At the end, your muscles are sore. 
Sometimes later on we try to get up off the sofa, you're going, man, my legs just don't work, I can't do this. But, over time, we've gotten to be able to do where we can do some of the stuff where at the beginning of the workout that we couldn't do it. Like some of the, some of the yoga poses, I'll say, yes, I was doing yoga for a little bit. I know that's not cool for dudes, for some of us. But there's some of that stuff I can do it now that I couldn't do at the beginning. Why? Because we've pushed our bodies to do that. God's, in the same way, God can take the suffering that goes on and He can make us more like Him. He can, he can help redeem those instances in our lives. But there's a third way that God uses evil and suffering is that He can take the bad stuff that happens and He can cause good to emerge. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I mean, look back at the Old Testament story of Joseph. You might know that story, but if not, let me, let me break it down into a very small story. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers because they don't, they don't like him anymore. They're jealous of him. While he's in slavery, he is falsely accused of trying to sleep with another person's wife. And so he's thrown into prison, and he's there under false pretenses for years. He finally gets out. God, God gets him out of prison. And he's put in a position where he is able to save the lives of many people. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, listen to what he says. He's speaking to his brothers. Remember his brothers that sold him into slavery. And he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph was put in a place of, of authority where he helped the people then get ready for years of famine that were coming, and he helped his family get food. Thousands of lives were saved because of that. God used that horrible circumstance that lasted years in Joseph's life to help other people. Now, to be sure, most of us are not going to end up in a position like Joseph did, where we get to be in control of a country or a group of people, and that God's going to use it that way. But I want you to think about some of the most recent pain and suffering you went through or maybe you went through it a long time ago, and ask yourself the question, has God allowed other people to cross your path that is going through something similar? Because if so, He's giving you the opportunity to be Jesus with skin on to those people. For you to say, you know what? I've been through what you're going through. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel called Jesus, and He's there to walk through this with you. And so we've seen that God didn't create evil and suffering. We've seen that God can use it for His good purposes, but there's a third light to follow, and it's this. The day will come when suffering will end. There is going to be a day when suffering will end. Now listen, God officially beat evil and suffering with Christ's death on the cross and through His resurrection. And it will officially be accomplished when Jesus returns. But there's something you need to know. God, In, in God's defeat of evil, He is currently restraining some evil from happening. It's like when we were teaching our boys to walk. We would walk behind them a little bit, and as they were running through the house, if they were going to fall over and land on the coffee table, we would keep them upright. Now, if they were just on the carpet and they were going to fall, sometimes we'd let them fall because that's how they learned to walk, right? But we would restrain it when horrible evil was going to happen. They were going to knock their head on the side of the coffee table. God is keeping some evil from happening. Well, you might say, well, great. He's keeping some of it from happening, but why isn't evil gone? Why is it still here? Well, one day again, it's going to be gone. But when it's gone, when that moment in time happens, that means that Jesus Christ has come back. 
And when He comes back, it's no longer going to be possible for people to choose to follow Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay His promise as some understand delay, but He's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Here's what this means. God one day is going to end evil. When that happens, there will be no more opportunity for people like you, like me, to choose to follow God. At that moment in time, people are either going to be with God in heaven, new creation, new, new world, new heaven, or they're going to be separated from God in a real place called hell forever. And He doesn't really want people to end up there. He doesn't want people to end up in the worst place imaginable. Matter of fact, worse than we can even imagine. And so he says, listen, I know that there's pain and suffering still going on. I don't want to end this time period yet because I'm waiting for more people, people in this room, people around the world to come to know me. We've seen that God didn't create evil, that God can use it to accomplish good, and that one day He is going to end evil and suffering. But there's a fourth point for us to remember, and it's this. Any suffering that we experience here on earth will dim in comparison to what God has in store for His followers in heaven one day. And this gives us hope, or at least should give us hope. I don't want to minimize the pain and suffering that we go through here on earth, and that some of you have gone through tremendous more pain and suffering and evil than I have gone through in my life. But I want us to look at the verses that were written by Paul who suffered through beatings and stonings and shipwrecks and imprisonments, rejection, hunger, thirst. And yet he writes this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, For our light and momentary troubles. Our light and momentary troubles. The man who has gone through a ton of pain and suffering, of evil. He's the guy who's five times his back was shredded by the whip. Three times he was beaten by rods. And he still writes the word, our light and momentary troubles. And then he says in Romans 8.18, he says to us, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He is looking towards heaven where things are going to be awesome. Think of it this way. Imagine with me that the first day, January 1st of 2014, was a horrible day for you. You wake up that morning with a tremendous toothache. I mean, it's so bad that you call around and finally find a dentist who's willing to go into his office, fix your toothache so that you're not in just so much tremendous pain, and then he pays you like, or not pays you, you have to pay him five times the amount because he's normally off that day, but he came in and did you a favor. And then on your way home from that dentist appointment, you get in a car wreck and you total, you total your car and you total the car of the person that you hit. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but those cars and your insurance is now going up, right? And then you get home and it's been a horrible day. You're starving because you didn't eat breakfast because your tooth was so bad. You didn't get to eat lunch, so you go to the refrigerator, you find some food, you pull it out, you eat it, only to find out that the food was bad and you get food poisoning. And now every 15 minutes for the next 8 hours, you're throwing up. And you lose like 15 pounds and you go, okay, maybe that's good for some of us. But, but the act of, all, of doing all of that is awful. Horrible day. Yet, then think about the rest of 2014 being the absolute best that it could be. I mean, like you find out that your long lost uncle who you didn't really know very well, but he's a follower of Christ, so he dies and it's a good thing because he goes to heaven. 
But it's an even better thing because he was really rich and leaves you $10 million. And then you find out you get the job of your dreams. You know the job that you would do even if you didn't get paid? I mean, you're getting paid, but you really don't have to because you just got $10 million. But you get to do that kind of job, the one that you love. Your relationship with your spouse is better than it has ever been. Your relationship with your kids is better than it's ever been. Your kids aren't sick. They pass everything in school. They don't argue anymore. You don't have to put them in the get-along shirt. Right? Some of y'all have done that. I've only thought about it. The rest of your year is awesome. So you get to the end of 2014 and someone comes up to you and says, Hey, how was your year? And you say, My year was awesome. It couldn't have been better. And they go, but yeah, didn't, wasn't that first day? Wasn't it kind of bad? And you go, oh yeah. Yeah, that first day was awful. But man, my year was awesome. Now think of it this way. After 10,000 years of being in heaven, where it is going to be better than you can absolutely imagine, and someone comes to you and says, hey, hey, how has your existence been? And you go, man, my my existence is awesome. I've been in heaven for 10,000 years. I'm getting to do work that's meaningful. It's awesome. There's no more pain and suffering. I'm in the presence of God, and it is awesome. And they go, yeah, but but, but your time on earth, wasn't it pretty hard? You go, yeah, you know, 80 plus years it was tough. But it dims, it pales in comparison to how great it has been for the last 10,000 and for an infinite number of years to come. Listen, That is the perspective that you and I need to have. And I don't want to minimize what some people go through here on earth. I mean, I think back to the the guy who had his life forever changed when the mind blew up in his face and caused him to be blind and burned and body parts to be deformed. Listen, his existence on earth is probably, for sure it's been much worse than mine and probably will be worse than mine for the rest of my life. I don't want to minimize that pain. So if you're going through terrible times, please know I'm not trying to minimize that. But I am trying to help you to see from the perspective of eternity. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to be in heaven. And and one day, there, someone's going to ask you about your existence and you're going to say, you know what? It's awesome. What I went through on earth is going to dim in comparison to how awesome it will be. But there's a fifth point of light to remember and it's this. You and I get to decide if evil and suffering is going to drive us towards God or away from Him. Too often I see people allow pain and suffering and evil in their lives to drive them away. Something bad happens to them and they go, oh, God doesn't love me. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us we're going to have trouble We're going to have pain. We're going to have suffering. There's evil out there, but I've overcome it. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close to those that are brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Help in the middle of suffering comes from God. Run to Him, not away from Him. When we were singing that song earlier, it is well with my soul. We need to to make the commitment and get in our minds now when things aren't horrible that no matter what happens, we will run towards God. Let 
And just another free thing, in a church this size, if you're not a part of a small group, you need to get a, to be a part of one. Because the reality is this, if you, we are all going to go through some level of pain and suffering in our lives at some point. And God has given us other believers to walk through those times of life together. The church. But in a group this size, 400 to 600 people or so in each of our services, we'll never know by you walking in here if you're in the middle of pain and suffering. And you will never know when other people are going through it. Thus, you can't be Jesus with skin on to people. The way we do that here at Dogwood is for you to be involved in a small group. So if you're not a part of one, put on your communication card. I want to be a part of one and we'll help you out. Not a selfish thing. It's also a caring thing because you're going to be there for other people. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I know that there are some people in this room right now that are in the throes of pain and evil and suffering. And if that's you, then I want you to use these next few minutes to pretend that it's just you and God in this room for a few moments. Pretend that it's, it's just you and pray and ask God to make Himself known to you. To help you to feel His presence. As we read in Psalm chapter 23, you're right there with us. Cry out to Him. You're going to spend the next few minutes doing that if you're in the middle of pain and suffering right now. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, then what I want to ask you to do is to become a follower of Jesus. Why? Because it is the best decision that you can ever make to have your sins forgiven, your slate wiped clean, and to be able to enter into a friendship with God. And so if that's you, if, you don't, if you're not a follower of Christ yet and you want to become one this morning, tell God something like this in your own words. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask You to come into my life to be my leader. In other words, to be my boss, to be my forgiver. God, forgive me of my sin. Now listen, if, if, if you pray to that prayer or something like it, the Bible says you are a brand new creation. The old has passed away. You've been forgiven. You get to have life now to the fullest here on earth and you get to look forward to an eternity in heaven. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer and became a follower of Jesus today, then I want to ask you to do one of two things. On your communication card, on the back side, there's a box that you can check that says, I'm following Jesus. Check that box and either turn your card in when we take the offering in a little while, or take you and yourself and the card up to the front left-hand side of the auditorium to our encourager table. There's some people there that want to give you some resources and pray with you and help you on your journey. Now the third group of us in here, those of us that are followers of Christ and life is pretty good at the moment, things are okay. We're not in the middle, we're not in the throes of the evil and suffering. What I'm asking you to do this morning is to make the commitment that you are going to press into God and press into the church when things go bad. When evil and suffering happens. Make that commitment. To remember the points of light that we talked about that will help us to stay on the road that God didn't create it. God can use pain and suffering and evil in, in our lives to cause good to happen. Help us to remember that it's only temporary. We have something incredible to look forward to. And so Lord Jesus, I thank You for hearing our prayers. I thank You for this time of worship. 
that you've given us. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that gives us hope. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.